Many of you may have wondered, are we going to sing the song tonight? Uh, Those of you who don't know, Let It Go is this very popular song, I imagine everybody knows, uh, that the kids love to sing along with Anna and Elsa in this Disney movie, Frozen. Uh, no, we're not going to sing that. Uh, that. This is intended to be ironic uh, because as you listen to the words of that song and, and watch that movie, you see that she's letting go of serving anybody else but herself, uh, essentially is what's going on in that song. And that's the opposite of what we're being called to do as we study together tonight. So uh, if you want to get out your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be uh, looking at that in just a moment. Uh, Jenna, uh, we, we just recently got back on Netflix. We kind of do Netflix on and off, uh, wait till a lot of things come out, and then we get Netflix again and, and watch it through VidAngel and get to watch some really good stuff uh, without paying a whole lot of money because we're kind of cheap like that. Uh, but we've been, we've been looking and we found this show uh, about tidying up. And Jenna read this book. It's by a lady, Marie Kondo. I don't know if any of you ladies have, have seen that, but she's like, you need to watch this. So we're watching it together. Uh, and, and in that show, this uh, lady, a Japanese author, wrote this really great book about tidying things up in your life and cleaning your house, essentially. Uh, in this in this in this show, the lady comes to people's houses and she has the people organize their house. And the first thing she has them do is take all their clothes and throw them out onto the bed. Every single piece of clothing that you own, thrown out onto the bed. Uh, and they go and they take each piece of clothing and they hold on to it and they 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 determine inside of themselves. Does this spark joy in my life? And if it doesn't spark any joy, then they let it go. But if it does spark joy, they keep it. And I found that to be a very interesting concept. We did this in our house. And and we ended up getting rid of a a lot of stuff, a lot of clothes, and a lot of things in our house that that just didn't spark joy in our lives. Uh, And I found that to be an interesting idea, an interesting concept that, that... we tend to hold on to things that really don't give us joy thinking that they are giving us joy when actually letting those things go we're able to find some something that actually is joyful uh, and there's a parallel as we're going to be studying tonight as we look at the spiritual lives that we live uh, to what God wants us to do He wants us to evaluate our lives. He wants us to think about the things that we are holding on to. And He wants us to consider whether these things are really giving us joy. Or whether we we should be looking at something else that's greater, that's really going to give us joy. And this is what we find in in Philippians 3, verse 1. He says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In this text, what we see as, as Paul is revealing this to us is that he desires for us to rejoice in the Lord. This is what he's telling the Philippian Christians to do. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. You ever heard that expression or phrase and just kind of thought, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And (laughs) how do I do that? You know, what, when do I need to do that? Why, why is that important? And, and do we do that on a daily basis? Are we rejoicing in the Lord? What did Paul mean when he said it? Uh, Rejoice in the Lord. How are we supposed to do that? Well, notice what else he says in verse one. He says to write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. To understand rejoice in the Lord, we need to understand more of what he has said previously in the book. This is a repeated phrase or a repeated idea throughout this book that that we are supposed to rejoice in the Lord uh, is something he talked about a lot in the first two chapters. So let's, let's go back and look at a couple verses in the first two chapters just to get a picture of what he said back there. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 12. And look what he says there. He says, I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now look at verse uh, 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. As Paul starts off this letter, he's very open about the fact that he is, in, at the time of writing this, imprisoned. Uh, he is in a situation that is, is going to be difficult for anybody, uh, but it's going to be difficult for someone who's trying to reach out to people and proclaim the truth and, and go out and reach the lost. And these Philippians know Paul. Uh, they're, they're around, they've been around him before, they've experienced, they, they helped to establish the church at Philippi. So if you have someone you know and you love who has been good to you and you find out that they're suffering in prison, is the tendency going to be to rejoice in the Lord for their imprisonment? Well, no, it's not going to be that. I'm not going to be happy about their situation. I'm going to be anxious and, and, and upset about this. It would be as though uh, God is not winning on, on some level because this is a great worker for the Lord. But notice how Paul views his work. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Whether in pretense or in truth, they are proclaiming Christ boldly because of what's happened to me. And in that, he says, I rejoice and I will rejoice. Paul looks at his suffering that he's going through right now and he sees that God is at work in this suffering. Now, skip ahead also to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 17, he says... Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. 
Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Isn't it interesting that this is the way Paul views his suffering? That it is something worth rejoicing over because he's seeing the work of God in his willingness to sacrifice himself. And, and he says, I'm like a drink offering. I'm, I'm this living sacrifice that's being used by God in order to bless those around us with the advance of the gospel and even you Philippians. Notice, I'm being poured out as a sacrificial offering of your faith. He would go on to talk about Timothy's sacrifice to serve the Philippians and Epaphroditus' sacrifice to serve the Philippians. Are these men grumbling in their sufferings and their sacrifices that they have to do all this stuff for the Philippians to, to grow in faith or to be encouraged or to be bold, to preach the truth? No, they're rejoicing in these things. They're excited that, that the work they're doing has that benefit for God's people. Uh, and they're wanting the Philippians also to rejoice. Rejoice with me in these things that I'm going through. Because God is the one who is ultimately working in all of this. Even though it may seem like God is being defeated as His people are suffering, God is able to work some amazing works in the midst of the suffering of His people. He's able to show His glory through our suffering. This is what He said in chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For it is God who works in you, Philippians, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So, the context of chapter 3, verse 1 is, as He gets to that, repeating this idea that you need to rejoice in the Lord. As you suffer, as you go through uh, different trials in this life, you need to continuously rejoice in the Lord. Be thinking about how God is working in your suffering to bring about His glory and be willing to go through that suffering in order to serve Christ. Notice he says, it's no trouble for me to, to remind you of these things. Uh, you know, all this suffering Paul's going through, what do you think he's thinking about a lot? Uh, well, look at the benefit. You know, I mean, that, that would, if I were imprisoned and I were seeing the, the Word of God spread as a result and people being more bold, I would tend to desire to focus on that more. Uh, so it's no trouble for, for Paul. He says, it's, you know, I, I don't mind doing this at all. It's no big deal for me to tell you, rejoice in the Lord in the midst of all your sufferings. Think about what God is doing through your sufferings. It's no trouble for me. And he says, it's safe for you. What does that mean? It's safe for them to hear this. That, that even though Paul is suffering, he is rejoicing. And that even though all these men of God are suffering, they are rejoicing. Why is it safe for them? Well, if we're honest, it's, it's not easy for us to rejoice in anything when we're suffering. I mean, this is, the, this is a difficult idea for us to comprehend. If we're in the midst of suffering, we don't want to rejoice in that. We don't want to be, uh, you know, rejoicing in the Lord because we're focusing so much on ourselves. What our tendency would be, would be more like he says in verse, chapter 2, verse 14, grumbling 
and disputing (laughs) when we suffer. This is going to be our tendency. So it's safe for me to bring these things up over and over again in order to help you see that we need to be focusing on what God is working through our suffering, not on how bad our lives are in the midst of our suffering. This is our tendency. But not just that. As he continues on, he tells us there's another real danger here for us uh, in, in our sufferings that we might stop suffering, that we might just do what makes life more easy for us. And the way that he talks about this is in verses 2 through 4, he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Notice, he brings up these Dogs are evildoers. Because it's safe for you to hear, rejoice in the Lord, over and over again in the midst of your sufferings. Well, why is He bringing them up? Because they are the ones who put confidence in the flesh, who put confidence in how great things are for them, how wonderful their lives are, how great uh, God has been to them that they are able to have all this success and not have any suffering. Uh, They are accomplishing much in their lives, uh, according to paper. But Paul calls them dogs and evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. I mean, he's pretty graphic against these guys. Why? Because they are not trusting in and glorying in Christ Jesus. They are putting confidence instead in themselves. As though they themselves are great. So what Paul says in response is fascinating. Uh, If if you want to put pride in your flesh, I can do that. (laughs) You want to boast in your own abilities? Well, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I I kept uh, the religious practices of Judaism from birth. Because that's how my family acted. I I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, the faithful tribe that connected to Judah. I I was a son of Hebrews and I grew up going to the Hebrew schools and learning all about how the Hebrews are supposed to act and live. And I'm following that standard of holiness. I understand it. I'm zealous for it. And I have the ability to do that. I am blameless. He says, this is the way that I lived. I had plenty of reasons to be confident in myself. Whenever you looked at me, you would have thought, this man is righteous. This man is good. And there is nothing wrong with this man. But notice what Paul says about all of that work and all of that confidence in his flesh. In verse 7, he says, But whatever gain I had... I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see how Paul understands their perspective, that that they are glorying in themselves and thinking much of themselves. He sees that and he says, I had that, but I gave it up because it's not worth much to me. All of those things that I was able to accomplish, they just didn't measure up to much of anything for me. I didn't find any joy in those things. Those things did not satisfy my craving for righteousness, for purity, for a right relationship with God. Because there's something that was deeply missing inside of me. And I found it. He found Christ. This is the way that Paul views Christ. That he's worth more than all of those other things that he was able to accomplish for himself. That Notice how the NLT puts this. He counts all those things. They were once valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. They're worthless. All of those works, all of that righteousness in himself, that self-righteousness that he was able to accomplish by himself is worth nothing compared to knowing Christ. His heritage, his education, his self-righteousness didn't mean anything compared to Christ. you imagine uh, having the very first computer that ever came out and you're like, man, this thing's awesome. And then somebody comes walking in with a smartphone and... And it can do a trillion times more and better than anything that that you had right then. Why would you stick to the old? And this is the way Paul views this. What I had didn't do what I needed it to do. It did not provide me with the forgiveness that I needed. It did not provide me with the relationship that I strongly desired. So he was willing to give up everything. You think that would be hard for Paul? His whole life, whole whole life's work, his whole family's life's work, his heritage, going against everything he had ever known, giving it all up to follow after Christ. He said Christ is more valuable. This This is why he's willing to let go of his pride. Christ is more valuable because now he is able to find righteousness from God. Forgiveness of sins, holiness, purity, sanctification. And it all depends on faith. Depends on faith. It it depends on the faithfulness of Christ, who, who has gone up into Christ to intercede for us. It depends on God's love for us and His willingness to forgive us. And it depends on my willingness to trust in what He has done for us. Notice how he talks about faith in this text. Look at verse 10 and 11. He says at the end of verse 9, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, in verse 10, he, he describes it. He says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection 
and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Whenever we say the word faith, sometimes that gets confused. Uh, Is faith just merely a belief that Jesus is who He says He is, that God is who He says He is, and that He has really done all these things? That's not the way Paul talks about faith in this text, is it? He talks about faith as being deeper than that. Faith as being something that, that is going beyond just knowing that somebody exists, but actually believing it to, to understand more deeply who Christ is. Faith means that he knows Christ more than just knowing about Christ. It's not as, just, as though uh, knowing Christ is reading the, the Gospels and memorizing them and being able to speak the Gospels and say everything about Jesus' life that was revealed in Scripture. But it's something more than that. He calls it uh, uh, sharing in His sufferings. He calls it becoming like Him in His death. What Paul said earlier is very much what he means here. That he's willing to count everything as loss to follow Christ. He's willing to empty himself. Just as Jesus emptied himself for us. You go back to chapter 2, verse 6, and he mentioned Jesus and told us that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. To Paul, knowing Christ means suffering with Christ. That's what knowing Christ means. And in his case, it meant going into prison and, and glorifying God in prison by rejoicing in Christ, even though He's in prison and suffering, by glorying in Christ and glorying in all that Christ has done for Him, glorying in the spread of the gospel as a result of this, glorying in whatever it is that God wants to do through me. I want to empty myself and serve Him and show my love for Him. This is the way Paul viewed faith. That it's not just about knowing about God, but that it's about living with faith in God. To to overcome whatever struggles we're facing and, and bring about His glory in the midst of our suffering. And and to help us along the way. So what are we rejoicing in? As we see Paul telling these Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, And He shows us how to do that. Being the circumcision, worshiping by the Spirit of God, glorying in Christ Jesus, counting everything as loss. What do we rejoice in? How do we tend to think about ourselves and our accomplishments? Um, Are are we honest about this? How do I think about myself? Uh, do I think about myself uh, in terms of what other people think of me, that I want to be praised by them and glorified by them? Do I think about myself in terms of I am self-reliant and I am the one who can do everything for myself and look at how righteous and good I am? 
Do we take pride and have confidence in our flesh? This is the way that Paul called, talked about the dogs. He says those, those who are evildoers are acting this way. They're, they're having pride in their religious practices, thinking, you know, I, I do all these things right for God, therefore I am righteous and good. Or, or maybe we might think, I'm a Christian of Christians. <laughs> I was brought up in the pews. Or maybe I have such a high standard of holiness, I do everything. Uh, I'm so much purer than everyone else around me. Or something along these lines. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with these things. We need to have good religious practices and following the Scripture and doing God's will. We need to be trying to develop our families to grow up to do what's good and have a good standard of holiness and a zeal and an ability to do that. But we can't think, look at what all I've done. I quit drinking, I quit cussing, I keep gambling. Thank you, God, for not making me like this tax collector. can't look at ourselves that way. To think that we can rejoice in ourselves as though uh, we, we have done this by our own greatness, by our own accomplishments, that we are righteous and worshiping by the Spirit of God, glorying in Christ Jesus, rejoicing in the Lord, when really we're rejoicing in ourselves. We can't do that. This is the way the dogs acted. You go to chapter 3 and verse 18. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. We cannot think about ourselves this way and glory in ourselves and and think that we can serve ourselves as though we don't have to sacrifice. This is the thing that he's getting at with all of this. The danger that he's talked about since he started talking about these dogs is that we would turn away from our suffering thinking, I'm good. I've done enough. I'm, I'm righteous. I'm holy. I don't need to take up that cross. And we would look at Jesus and say, look at my resume. Look at how good I am. I don't need to suffer for you. I've already done all this that I wanted to do. This is not the way that we're supposed to be. If, if any hint of this is in us, we have to weed this out of us to rejoice in the Lord. We can't hide behind our accomplishments as though that gains us enough that we don't have to take up our cross and follow Christ. I read the verse 7 in the NLT. I'll read verse 7 and 8. I like, I like the NLT for this. It helps me to, to see it a little clearly, more clearly. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. All the things that we do and and the efforts that we make are an attempt to glorify God, not ourselves. We're not going to just 
promote a form of morality as though we can now become the righteous people of God that, that, that are perfect and pure and, and don't need the sacrifice of Christ. We've got to let go of that. Let go of our pride, let go of our comfort, because that's not going to spark lasting joy. You take that in, you think about that for a minute. You think about all those accomplishments that, that I've had as I've said things and done things that have shown I'm really proud of myself. And we kind of understand it didn't last. And whatever it is, uh, that, I, that I'm so good and perfect that I don't do those sins... Or that I'm so good and righteous because I'm so smart or so wonderful in this way or that way. We just let that go because that temporarily satisfies. It doesn't permanently satisfy anything. And instead we have to find joy in what God has done for us. We have gained righteousness through Christ. And now our, our mission in life is to get to know Him better. that we might one day know the power of His resurrection. We're willing to suffer. We're willing to do whatever we can to glorify God, to serve one another, to serve God faithfully. Not because it makes us good and righteous and pure and true, but because of what God has done for us and because we love Him. So... As we look at this text and we see Paul telling the brothers, Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Do we need to do that all the time? Yes, of course. But especially when we're suffering. We we thought about it's hard to do that when we're suffering. And, And as Paul brings this up throughout the letter, he shows us God is working through our sufferings. We can rejoice in the Lord knowing He's able to work miraculous, wonderful things... Through suffering. Uh, It may be that we're in the hardest and most difficult times in our lives. In some way, somehow, God's able to use that to His own glory. Uh, Jesus Himself suffered greatly. And look at what God was able to accomplish through that. Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, they're all suffering and God is working through them. We don't have confidence in ourselves and in our abilities We let go of those things, rejoicing in the Lord, not ourselves. That we might gain Christ, that we might know Him. Whatever suffering we do, we do it in order to serve Him. So what suffering will we endure in this life? What what does your life look like? When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Are we going to flash our resume and say, but I've done all these other things, so I don't have to do this thing. That's what the tendency will be, right? I don't want to do the worst of the worst. So what what is it going to look like for for you to take up your cross with your friends, with your family, with, with your co-workers, with all those around you? What kind of suffering will you have to endure in order to serve God and glory in Christ Jesus? And glorify His name. And will you find joy in that when that time comes? This is the way that Paul encourages the Philippians to look at their suffering, their sacrifices. That it's not something to grumble over or dispute about. That it's not something to take pride in or to think much of ourselves about. But that it's something we get to do 
because of what God has done for us. If you're here tonight and you don't realize all that God has done for you, you you've, you've heard of the amazing love that we sang about before this sermon, and you, you want to experience that. You want to come to know the one who has suffered and died for you. Begin your walk right now. Uh, hand your life over to God. Be willing to do whatever He says. And one day we will experience the resurrection that Christ also experienced when this life is over. Uh, if, if we can help you in that in any way, please come forward as we stand and sing.